0: Tonight's second Bible reading is taken from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. You can find it on most PEW Bibles on page 1007 or follow along on the screen. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, This is God's Word.
1: Well, it is the Christmas season already, and this past week I got my first Christmas present. It was something I got from our growth group. We played uh, Chris Kringle. And i got some goldfish, two of them, an orange one and what's the other colour? Gold, that's right. And the names, our kids have given them names. Orange for the orange one and Jeff for the other one (laughs) for some reason. So hopefully, we're hoping that they will survive and see their first Christmas. But if not, we'll replace them easily. (laughs) Um, Well, we're going to have a look at this... um, this passage and we are starting a new series today the Christmas paradox and we're going to explore the different aspects of Christmas and it is really profound and wonderful and so it is a good season to invite friends neighbors family along Uh, but we're going to look at this one tonight distant yet close let's pray again Heavenly Father we pray that you help us see that you who are distant and transcendent and powerful and holy but yet in your kindness and mercy, you did choose to come close that first Christmas in your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to see the wonder of that. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'd like to begin with a question, and that is, how do you know that there is a God? Many of you already believe that there is a God. There's only one true God who made all things. Some of you are still exploring, and that's, that's great that you are here. But those of you who do know, how do you know with absolute certainty that your God is the real God and the only God and the true God? How do you find such a God? Now, part of my role as pastor here is that I get the privilege of speaking to many different people on many different topics, on marriage and relationships and issues and personal issues and topics of life and also topics of depth. Uh, Those are part of the task of being a minister. We do weddings, but we also do funerals. And in a recent chat, a conversation that I had with a couple in my office behind me, only about two weeks ago, we were there to talk about and arrange a funeral, someone from the community And the man uh, I was having a a chat with, he's got an ageing father, perhaps not too long to go, lives in London. But we were there to discuss his partner's father's funeral. And of course, being a minister, we, we talked about not just life, but also death. Also death. And of course, being a minister, the topic of God comes up. I'm a minister. So I asked the man, where do you stand with God? What do you think? And his answer reflected what I think reflects a lot of what people think and believe in our world. He said, I don't know whether there is a God. How can anyone be so certain? The way that humanity is advancing, will discover more and more. And he said, perhaps not now, I don't know whether there is a God now, but perhaps in 500 years' time with the way of science and technology, how it's advancing, maybe then we'll discover God with all our advances. But now I just don't know. And I suspect his response there just reflects how many people think about God today. But he was in fact saying also, not just that I don't know, but how can you, even though you're a minister, how can you be so certain? And so what do you say when someone responds that way? How can you be so certain that there is a God? See, it's the age-old question, isn't it? How do you know there is God and how do you find him? Because if finding God relied on our human intelligence, our human advancement, our scientific discoveries, our technological developments, our outer space endeavours, we as humanity, we've come a long way already, haven't we? What will 500 years add to that? We've come a long way. Surely if it depended upon us, we would have done it by now. We would have found God. In fact, just to highlight how far we've come, this year marked one of the huge milestones in human history. 50 years anniversary. Do you know what that was? 50 years ago in 1969. It was the year when man first stepped foot on the moon. On that day, the 21st of July, 1969, Neil Armstrong stepped out of the Apollo 11's Eagle lunar module, stepped onto an unknown surface of a completely unknown world. And he said those famous words, and there were about 500 million people around the world listening to the radios, around the TV boxes, and he said those famous words. Do you remember those? He said, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And it was a giant leap. It just showed how far we've come as people, stepping into the unknown, stepping into the unreached. But was that enough to find God? Will any advances in science and technology help us find and discover God? Will getting further into space help? Will getting more intelligent and bigger brains help? Well, you see, whatever endeavors, however, advance our technology, however, advance our science, it will just never be enough to find God. Because it's not how you find God. It's not how you can become certain of God by your scientific endeavours. In fact, during the space race of the 50s and 60s, it was in fact the Russians who first put a man into outer space. You may have heard of the story of Yuri Gagarin in 1961, the first cosmonaut into outer space. When he returned, the leader of the Communist Party, Nikita Khrushchev. In this atheistic society, he said, well, Gagarin, he flew into space, but he didn't see God. Now, in response, the Americans, an astronaut, John Glenn, a Christian, he was the first American to orbit the Earth in 1962. He was asked, well, how do you respond to that? They went to space, they couldn't find God. And he said, well, my God is not so small. That I would expect to find him in outer space. And so he was trying to say a giant leap for mankind is not the way to find God. It's not the way you discover God. I mean, we've been doing it through all of human history. In the ancient world, it was building temples on the Acropolis of Athens to try to reach the gods. The, the Tibetan monks building monasteries up in the mountains to try to reach, to the, reach the gods. But it will never be enough. Human effort and endeavours will never be enough to get to God. So how do you know that there is a God then? If we can't find God that way. Because you see, in all of us, we all have this inner longing that there, there must be more. There must be the transcendent. There must be the God out there, someone out there. There's this hunger for transcendence that haunts the human spirit. And hence why all the exploration order philosophical thinking you know there's a sense of eternity upon our hearts and even talking to the man in my office in that conversation he said well I don't know if there is a God but I could see knowing that his partner's father had just died and his own father did not have long to live he said I don't know but he wanted to believe that there is a God It's that longing for transcendence that haunts his spirit we were talking about death but he just didn't know how can you know with certainty so how can you know how can you know and answer that question because when you look at the Bible in our two readings today and you see how God is described no amount of technology or scientific endeavors will get us to God like what John Glenn the astronaut said my God is not so small and when you look at scripture you you can't help but feel terrifyingly small and insignificant we are just so tiny here are some of the passages from Isaiah 40 in Isaiah 40 you reflect on this and you just get the sense of how big God is And so in verse 12, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? I mean, how big are your hands? How much water can you hold? Can we hold the oceans? Of course we can't. But God can. Can we measure the the breadth of the heavens, of the sky with our hand? Well, we can't, but God can. It's to make us feel small. It's intended to make us feel small and God bigger than we can ever imagine. Or next we'll read on. Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? I mean, as humans, what do we play with? We can play with Lego pieces or bricks. God plays with mountains. Mount Everest, the Matterhorn, K2. Or we read on. Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counsellor? The brightest, the smartest human being will have nothing he or she can teach God. He has nothing new to say to God. Our minds are small compared to God. No one can be God's counsellor. And if that describes who God is and what God is like, how do you find such a God? How did he discover such a God? And then we read on in Isaiah forty twenty two. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spread them out like a tent to live in. It's saying the universe is God's. He made it. He's above it and beyond it. We are just like tiny specks. One of seven billion on this little planet and a tiny planet relative to all the other bodies in our universe when you compare us to the grandeur of the cosmos we're so small and insignificant and if you feel small we're actually meant to feel even smaller and God even bigger it was another astronaut Jim Irwin who was part of the Apollo 15 mission he spent three days on the moon in 1971 and, and when he was there, he described the experience as he, he felt so terrifyingly small when he looked back on Earth from the moon. And so you see a picture of the Earth standing on the moon. And he described it this way. It was in New South Wales many decades ago. And he said, standing on the moon and looking back at Earth, he was able to close one eye, hold up his thumb, and cover the entire planet that's every mountain every valley every single person every ocean and so it just made him feel i'm so small so small but yet god made it all the entire universe all the stars billions upon billions of upon billions of stars we can't even number them all but yet god knows them all by name see this is the god who is so distant, so far, so transcendent. He is above us, beyond us. He's big. He's enormous, bigger than we can ever imagine. How can you find such a God? How can you know with certainty that such a God exists? Well, the only way is not dependent upon our brains. It's not dependent upon our science or technology or any of our endeavors or advancement it's not dependent upon any giant leap of mankind instead it was God who had to make the leap our leap does not get us far enough it was God who had to make the leap you see the God who who was so distant so above us and beyond us he chose to come close And it was always up to him to come close, not us to him, but him to us. And that is the story of Christmas, distant yet close. So distant, but yet he has come so close and so near to us. You see, Christmas makes possible what we can't achieve on our own. And so that age-old question, how do you know God is real? How do you know he exists? well God answered that himself and so in that same conversation in my office he was saying well perhaps in 500 years I don't know I don't know if God's real but perhaps in 500 years with the way science and technology is advancing maybe then we'll find him but I don't know how do you respond to someone who says that well do you know what I said I said well maybe we know already you're just not looking in the right place because he has already come you do not need to wait for another 500 years you don't need to wait for our science and technology to advance because we already know for he has come in fact 700 years before the first Christmas God already promised to this world that he will come and he would come in the most unusual way the most unexpected way Not as God, shining, beaming, as you expect of Almighty God with all his glory. Not with his vast armies, but as a child. And that's what we saw in our first reading in Isaiah 7. 700 years before the first Christmas, God said, The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God promised that he will come near, and it was up to him. And that was exactly what happened at Christmas time. God himself, the transcendent God, the powerful, almighty God, the one who made the whole universe, he stepped into his own creation so that the vast distance between transcendent God and mortal us was closed. God came in the birth of Jesus Christ, his son. And that's what we saw in the Christmas story. In Matthew 1, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit, which means she was a virgin, as prophesied. And then later in Matthew Or this took place to fulfill what God had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's not up to us trying to find God. We can never make a leap big enough to get to God. It was up to God to make the leap and to come to us. And that was what God did so extraordinary so wonderful i mean can you even fathom that happening how do you contain the one who made everything how do you bring him to some point limit him restrict him he made everything the universe but that's the mystery and the wonder of christmas inside the womb of mary was the divine god himself How do you make sense of that? Well, Augustine, one of the church fathers, it's so unbelievable, he he tried to make sense of it, and he said, he was created of a mother whom he created. He was carried by the hands that he had formed, the creator inside the created. But that is God coming close to us as a human being. And so that question, how do you know with certainty, with absolute certainty, that your God is real, that there is the one true God, or is not our technology or scientific endeavours? It is the Christmas story. God came close in the birth of Jesus Christ, and the distance between God and us was closed. What that means now is that we can say, we know God. You can say, you know God. And so what does it mean? Well, the thousands of years of searching, it is over. You don't need to wait another 500 years. It is over. The inner longing for transcendence, it is fulfilled. The fiddling in the dark and walking in the dark, light has come. The haunting of the spirit, it is no more because of Christmas. Jesus is God with us, and he had to become a man. I mean, just imagine being formed, God, the divine God, being formed as a fetus inside the womb, being born as a baby, learning to walk and to talk, being a real man in human history with a particular height, eye colour, hair colour, weight, a real person. God has come close in Jesus Emmanuel it was uh, C.S. Lewis that Oxford professor who tried to explain this really well and I found him extremely helpful why it was necessary for God to come near by becoming a man it's the only way we can actually know God properly know God fully when he's like one of us It shows his amazing humility that he would come down to our terms, to condescend to our level. It would be like if, let's just say, C.S. Lewis explains it this way, if, let's just say, you really love your pet slug or crab. Imagining you having that. You really love your pet slug or crab you can express your love as a human being towards a crab or a slug by trying to protect it feed it look after it you can speak to it you can speak to your crab if you like but that would mean nothing for a crab he or she whatever gender will not be able to understand how do you show your affection the best way how do you speak in a way so that that slug or that crab will understand how would they be able to communicate and commune with you well the only way And the best way will be if you were transformed into a crab or a slug. And then you can communicate and do what slugs do or crabs do. Communicate, talk, that will be the best way. But would you do it? I wouldn't. I don't want to be turned into a crab or a slug because that is dehumanising. I'm a human. I don't want to become an animal especially that type of animal but what did God do even on a far bigger scale in a sense God de-God not dehumanize but de-God so that we can know with absolute certainty God becoming a man taking on flesh the incarnation becoming like one of us who can speak who can think and act and dream who can do all he did when he came on this earth, then we can know God fully. That he loves us, that he cares for us, that he made us. Such that, when we now look at the life of Jesus, all he did, his love, his compassion, his mercy, his forgiveness, his humility, we are seeing God. When we listen to the teachings of Jesus about heaven and hell and and the kingdom of God, we are listening to God. To come to know Jesus, not to go and meditate in the caves or the countryside or travel into space, but to come to know Jesus is to know God because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. But more than that, more than just knowing that God is real, we can be with God and so we can say those of us who understand the Christmas story and believe the one who came we can actually say it is so important and so reassuring and comforting I know God personally intimately genuinely I know God and I am with God because of Jesus Christ Oh no, God, the one who flung the stars into the universe, who, who named them all, the one who raised the mountains and sends the rain and snow, who stretched out the heavens, who is enthroned above the earth. I have a relationship with that God. God so distant, but he has now come close because of that first Christmas, because of Jesus. he I mean, C.S. Lewis, he, he puts it this way, he said, The Son of God became a man to enable men and women to become sons of God. So how can we and how can you know God with absolute certainty? It's not a giant leap that we've made. That will never be enough. But God made the leap to us that first Christmas in his Son Jesus Christ. And so do you see here the paradox of Christmas? So distant, but yet so close. So if anyone thinks, I just don't know whether God exists, well maybe you need to look in the right place, because God has already come. No need to wait for another 500 years. Look in the right place, because he has already come. You see, unless we understand Christmas that way, that Jesus is Emmanuel, then this season will actually be quite empty. You'll have fun at parties, you'll buy presents, you'll get presents, you'll give presents, but unless you understand Christmas this way, it will be empty. You'll still be walking in the dark. You'll still be haunted in your spirit by the transcendent and you'll still be searching. But you don't have to. And so how do you know God? do you know God well those of you here who do not yet know God that Jesus is God who has come close well let me encourage you at least this season if for the first time ponder and reflect on what we have reflected on not us searching for God but God has come close this Christmas not just about fun but in fact about knowing God Now if you already know God, that is Jesus is your Saviour, your Lord, Emmanuel, God with us, then it is worth us who are Christians, this Christmas, not be so superficial about Christmas. We really need to ponder the wonder of Christmas. God has come for us. He's condescended to our level, for you and for me, so that we can know him and be with him. No doubt this season is going to be busy for all of us. There's shopping, gifts to buy, presents to wrap, parties to attend, people to see. And we can just get so caught up with all the business of this season. But we forget the wonder of Christmas. God, who was so distant, has come close. We can know God. I mean, I had to reflect on this because you may not believe it, but the life of a minister is pretty busy yesterday morning speaking to Yvonne we were reflecting on this we've got quite a lot of Christmas lunches coming up quite a few carols to uh, to organize and to do a lot of people to meet parties to go to presents to buy just as busy as you are sermons to write and so forth it was so busy and and I just had to reflect with Yvonne we cannot be like this this season we'll be busy that's okay but we have to not forget this we have to enjoy this season Delight in it because the God who was so far has come close in Jesus Christ. God moved heaven and earth to be with us. Delight in that in this season. So, how can anyone know with absolute certainty that God is real? Well, we sing about it, don't we? We even sing about it. Hark the herald angels sing in the second verse we read vowed in flesh the godhead see hail the incarnate deity pleased as man with man to dwell jesus our emmanuel let's pray gracious heavenly father we thank you that though you are so holy and pure and mighty and powerful that you would even consider to condescend to our level, to take on human flesh. But you did do that in your Son, Jesus Christ, that first Christmas. For he is Emmanuel, God with us. So help us all this Christmas, not to get bogged down by all the busyness of this season, but to delight in the joy that is ours already. Because you who are distant, you have come close to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.